that your grace would fall on us, that your love would transform us. God, that you would speak to us, that you would conform us into the likeness of Jesus. God, just in my mind's eye, I just have this picture of a crisp fall day. And you step out and there's no clouds and the sun just warms your face. God, that's how we want to see you today. God, that you would warm us by your spirit this morning. In Christ's name, the people of God together said, amen. Well, again, thank you guys, uh, worship team, and, and uh, I mean, I know all the names. I don't want to go through everybody's name because that's not why they do it, but gosh, thanks, Kevin. Um, man, I am just so grateful, aren't you, that those guys would serve us? That's just, that's awesome. And then, you know, I made fun of Jeff a little bit, but Jeff, man, who knew that a firefighter could do, you're like, you're the full package, buddy. That's that's awesome. Thank you guys so much. It's just a joy for me to come in uh, to God's presence with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise, just as Hiram encouraged us to do from the start this morning. So in case you are brand new with us, we're concluding a series today called Questions. Everything you ever wanted to know about God, but were afraid to ask. And, and I just want to tell you from the jump this morning that uh, of the five questions that we addressed, I predicted four of them. Uh, or the five questions that, that we're talking about through this series, four of them we've already done, and then we've got one more today. Of those five, I predicted four. And, and just because I predicted them doesn't mean that, 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 that I preloaded them. We really did take those questions on the website, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, the, the bulletin, everything else. We took those questions, and, and that's how we populated uh, the topics in the series, the questions that we were going to address. So I, I, I predicted uh, that, 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 that four of those questions that we would that we would address in this series were God are you there why did Jesus have to die what's up with all this pain and how do I know your will for my life those are just typical questions those are real popular questions that people ask but I want you to know that today's question I did not predict and it's the most difficult question for me personally that we face so far I didn't predict it, and it's the most difficult question for me to answer uh, from the scripture and for me in my life. It's so critical, and the scripture does have an answer, but it's just, it's just a very difficult question to address. So whoever submitted this question, multiple of you, by the way, thank you for making me address one that's hard. And I say that sarcastically, by the way, all right? So here's the question that we're looking at this morning for, for all the questions that we, that we kind of uh, received through all those different means. Here's what we've kind of boiled it down to. God, how do I hear your voice? Now, is that a hard one or what? God, how do I hear your voice? And you know what? Here's the thing. After thinking about this a little bit, I should have known it. I should have predicted this one. I should have known it because there is in each one of us what one author calls a holy longing. It's a deep, almost unspeakable desire to hear the voice of God. 
And what we mean by that is I want to have an internal sense that God is speaking directly to me about specific areas of my life. I want to know his presence. I want to hear his voice. I want to feel him as near to me as my skin. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do four things. I have four goals. Number one, we're going to talk about how God has already spoken, because he has, indeed, already spoken. We're going to talk about that. Number two, we're going to establish a biblical foundation for hearing the voice of God, for the Spirit's leading and ongoing guidance in our life every day. Number three, we're going to put real practical, understandable language to these Christianese terms and these, some of these Bible terms that we use like, I heard God say, or, 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 or the voice of God spoke to me, or God spoke to me, or the spirit led me. Those are kind of mystical terms. We're gonna put some concrete language to that. That's the third goal. And fourth, we're gonna look at some very practical ways for you and I to open our hearts, lives, and ears up to the voice of God. So let's start with goal number one which is this, how has God already spoken? If I'm to hear the voice of God in my life now, let's talk about how God has already spoken. And I want you to know we got a lot of scripture to cover today. So if you wanna flip through your Bibles and track with me, that's great, but I would encourage you to look up here on the screen. Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two, we're asking this question and answering, how has God already spoken? Look up here on the screen. The author of Hebrews says this, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke, there it is, to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Look at John chapter one, verse one and two. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The message of God, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Here's what the author of Hebrews starts the book with. Here's what the author of John starts his letter with. Jesus was the living message of God. Jesus was the living message of God. If you want to know how God speaks, if you want to hear the voice of God, listen to Jesus. Look at Jesus, study Jesus. Find out the way he treated people, what he taught, how he interacted, how he lived, even how he died. He is, like John would say, God's word. He is God's message, God's voice become flesh. Jesus is the living message of God. And if Jesus was and is the living message of God, then the Bible is the written message of God. The Bible is the written message of God. So when we're talking about hearing God, when we're talking about listening to God, Jesus is his living message and the Bible is his written message. Even Jesus himself affirmed this. Matthew chapter four, Jesus is being tempted by Satan and this is how he responds. Matthew chapter four, but he, that's Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What's Jesus saying? God speaks words from his mouth, and it is written down in the Bible. 
The Bible is God's written message to us. You want to hear the voice of God? Look in the Bible. Look at what 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture, his written message, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So here's where we have to start. Here's where we have to start when it comes to hearing the voice of God in our ongoing daily life, that God has already spoken through two means, and that is his living message and his written message. God has spoken through his living message in Jesus, and he's spoken through his written message, the Bible. And I want to tell you this morning, before we get into it, like, how do I hear the voice of God in my standard everyday life, you know, in my ongoing relationship with him? God will never, never, never convey a message that is contrary to his living and written messages. Can, can I just say that again for you? God will never, never, never. Did we highlight that never enough? Good. Good, glad. Never, 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 never convey a message to anyone at any time that is contrary to his living message, that's Jesus, and his written message, that's the Bible. Uh, I was watching uh, TV, uh, this is a a few months ago, and I was changing around on the channels, and and I, I don't make it a habit of watching religious TV, um, I make it a habit of watching Sports Center. I feel like that's really where God speaks. No, that's, uh, that's not true. I make it a habit of watching Sports Center. But every now and then I'm changing channels and I get to the religious TV and I'm like, well, this is entertaining. It's like watching, a, you know, it's like watching the Kardashians or reality TV. It's like a train wreck, right? So I'm watching religious TV and, and there's a guy on religious TV that literally says this. He, he, he's, 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 he's preaching and he says, and then, you know, I got a word from God. And he told me to get a jet. And I thought, wow, that is interesting. Then he literally says, now I already have a jet, but he told me to get a bigger jet. And I'm thinking, okay, wait, okay, wait. You have a jet, and God told you to get a bigger jet. And then apparently, I was under the impression that I just am led by God to give wherever God wants me to give, but apparently God also told him that I need to send him money to purchase said bigger jet. I called my dad. (laughs) It was funny. I called my dad. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, I just heard this guy on religious TV said he need a bigger jet. I'm like, I'm watching that too. Isn't it great? It's contrary to God's living and written messages. If you have a jet, great, that's fine. But clearly, from the rest of the doctrine this guy was teaching, this was not the voice of God he was hearing. It's contrary to God's living and written messages. So, I'm just gonna tell you from the jump, if you hear someone say to you, I heard from God, and it does not jive with the life and ministry of Jesus, and it does not not jive with God's written word, the Bible, you can bet your next paycheck they did not hear from God. They may have heard from some bad Mexican food they had last night. They, They may have heard from themselves, but they did not hear from God if it's contrary to God's living and written messages. 
So God has spoken through his living message, Jesus, and he's spoken through his written message, the Bible, and God also invites us into an ongoing relationship by which he shepherds those he loves. God invites us into an ongoing relationship by which he shepherds those he loves. So I I use that word shepherds on purpose, and I know it's like an archaic word. Like, is anybody a shepherd? Good, figured. Okay, so... So it's a, it's a, it's a 2,000, 3,000 year old, because this is the term that the Bible uses, but I figure, hey, if the Bible uses it, we should too. How about that, all right? So this is what a shepherd does. The shepherd knows the sheep. The shepherd walks with the sheep, and the sheep know the shepherd's voice. The shepherd leads the sheep. The shepherd gives the sheep a little swat every now and then when they kind of stray. The shepherd cares for the sheep. And God has invited us into that type of ongoing relationship. Again, he has spoken through his son Jesus, his living message, and his written word, the Bible, his written message. But he invites us into this ongoing relationship by which he shepherds those he loves. So I am going to declare my bias to you as we jump into question number two this morning. Question number two this morning, and, and sorry, let me look back at my notes here. That's, that's a biblical foundation, right? A biblical foundation for God speaking to us on a regular basis. I'm going to declare my bias, and it's this. I believe God still speaks to his people. I believe God still speaks to his people. Now, you may disagree with me, and that's okay, but I believe that God still speaks to his people, and I want to show you from the Bible his written message why I believe that. Everybody get me? I'm showing you from his written message. I'm not making stuff up. I'm declaring my bias I'm declaring my conviction, my belief that God still speaks to his people, and I want to show you from his word. John 14, verse 26, Jesus is speaking. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not, what, say it with me, speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will, what, speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Look at Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Jesus, again, is speaking. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't be anxious how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So in all three of those verses, here's what Jesus is promising. He's promising that the Spirit of God would speak would remind, would guide, would teach, would bring the living message and the written message to mind when it's needed. Jesus is promising, I'm going to go, and when I do, the Father is going to send the Spirit to speak, remind, guide, teach, and bring my teaching to mind. God promised it, and then check this out, it happened. Woo, isn't that crazy? 
God's promises actually took place. I picked four verses from Acts where we see the activity of the Holy Spirit speaking, leading, and guiding. I just picked four. There are a lot of them. Acts 4, verse 31. Look up here on the screen. And when they, that's the church, had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Spirit empowered them. Acts 8, verse 39. And when they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Don't get caught up on the eunuch thing. We'll, 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 we'll deal with that another time, not today. So look at what happened. The Spirit what? Said to Philip. The Spirit said to Philip. Acts 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Acts 16, verse six and seven. Look at this one, love this one. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come to Mysia and attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The Spirit prevented his missionaries. He prevented the apostles from doing things. So, so listen, I just picked a few, but the Spirit of God is active all over the New Testament, and he does exactly what Jesus promised he would do. He leads, he guides, he brings to mind, he speaks, he teaches. Does that not sound exactly like the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised? A leading, guiding, reminding, comforting, teaching, speaking spirit. It's exactly the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. God's living message and God's written message promised that that would happen, and then it takes place in the book of Acts. Now, now here's the thing. The Bible commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit. So as my mom would say, how in the name of thunder does that happen? If we're supposed to be led by the Spirit, if God is to speak to us, if God is to guide us, how in the name of thunder does that happen? Because we use these mystical Christian terms, right? Like, I, I was led of the Spirit. Well, what does that even mean? Like, what, is that, what does that mean? How does the Spirit speak? How does the Spirit guide? How does the Spirit teach? concrete terms, concrete language for how that happens. One of my best friends, is, his name is Chance Pearson, and he's, uh, he's not a texter, he's not an emailer, he's got this app on his phone called Voxer. Does anybody have Voxer on your phone? Do you use the Voxer? Voxer is an app on your phone that turns your phone into a walkie-talkie. This is the way that Chance communicates with me all the time. I text him and he voxers me back. I call him and he voxers me back. Dude's my best friend and he uses a walkie-talkie to talk with me, right? And here's the thing. I got one guy on my voxer list on my phone. I downloaded voxer for one reason and one reason only, to talk to Chance. So when I get a voxer notification on my phone and it says, you have a new voxer message, you can bet that nine times out of 10, it's Chance. That one time out of 10, it's like a new person is using Voxer that I don't know, and I just delete, and that's it. The other nine times, it's chance. 
So, so look, when I see a Voxer notification, like I said, nine times out of 10, it's chance. So here's my question. Does God have a means? Does God have a method by which he speaks to us? Does he use email? Does he use Voxer? Does he use Twitter? What, what does God use? And here again, here is where we need some very concrete terms to, to, to help us understand what are we listening for. Just like when I get a Voxer, I know it's chance. What are we listening for when it comes to the voice of God? Because if we know how God speaks, we'll know how to listen to him, right? If we know how he speaks, we'll know how to listen to him. So I'm gonna tell you, in my personal experience, and I'm gonna share a little experience with each one of these four things. In my personal experience, God tends to speak to me in one of four ways. One of four ways. He might speak to you in other ways. The spirit might lead you, might teach you in other ways. I'm telling you four for me of how God speaks to me. One, an inclination or an urge. An inclination or an urge. And I use this on purpose. I did not use desire because there are a lot, of th- a lot of times that I get an urge that I believe is from the Spirit, God's voice to me, an urge from the Spirit to do something that I don't want to do. Like Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. You think it's something he was like, oh, that sounds great. That's what I was planning on doing today anyway. Like sometimes we get an urge and inclination that's not a desire. It's not something we want to do, but it's this something inside of us that the Spirit of God kind of stirs up in us and we kind of have an urge. So, so, so let me give you an example. So, so you, you walk by somebody in the hallway, you walk by somebody at work, or you walk by one of your kids, or you walk by somebody in the foyer out here and you go, you know, they say, hey, how you doing this morning? You say, good. And you say, hey, how you doing this morning? They say, good. And something inside, right? Something inside tells you they're not good. They're not okay. And you have this urge to go back to them and say, hey, like, that didn't feel right when you said good. Is everything okay? What's going on with you? Talk to me. God tends to speak to me in those types of ways, just, a, just an internal urge. Or, or like an individual in my life comes to mind like that I need to pray for. And it's kind of a name out of nowhere, and I just have this urge, this, this internal uh, something, an inclination to pray for that individual. When Amy and I were in our adoption process, here's another example. When Amy and I were in our adoption process, we were processing through birth mom profiles. They give you like... 20 pages of the history of these birth moms. And we got profile after profile after profile, and we just, we prayed over them, and we just, we don't sense that that's where God is leading. We don't sense the voice of God, the leading of the Spirit, pushing us in that direction. It was just kind of an urge. It was an inclination. Now listen to this. The adoption agency calls us and says, hey, we have four more birth mom profiles. I think they were getting frustrated with us at this point, you know? It's like, do you guys really want a child? Because we're trying to give you one, you know? So they say, hey, we've got four more birth mom profiles that we'd like to send you. And, and we said, okay, send them. And they sent us three. They sent us three. And so we prayed through each one and we read each one and we just didn't sense, we didn't have an urge, an inclination, some internal something that that was the right birth mom for us to be matched up with. 
So I called the agency back. I said, I really think I need to see the fourth one. I've got this internal something. And these people aren't necessarily Christians. They're not necessarily led of the Spirit. They're not necessarily listening to the voice of God. But I just, God, I, I, I just, there's something about that fourth one. Guess who we adopted? Birth mom profile number four. There's just this internal something. There's this inclination, this urge that God gives people when he leads them. Number two, a circumstance. God speaks through circumstances. A couple years ago, I started praying about uh, what was next for me on the horizon. I was working at Scottsdale Bible Church in my previous church. I was leading worship. I was, um, you know, shepherding a, a venue, a, a small congregation of folks. And, and I just started praying, okay, God, what's next? What's next for me? What's next for me? And I, and I sensed, I got this internal urge, inclination that God wanted me to teach and lead. That God wanted me to teach and lead. And I didn't want to tell anybody. Because <laughs> that meant I would have to do something about it and it might mean moving to Canada. And I thought, no, you know. So I started praying, I said, oh God, I just, what, this is scary, but I'm getting this urge, I'm getting this internal inclination, this urge to teach and lead. So at 9.30 in the morning, during a meeting with my senior pastor, executive pastor, and worship pastor at that church, he, he was my boss at the time, I told all three of them for the very first time, after a year of prayer now, after a year, I told them and I said out loud, I feel like God is calling me to teach and lead. And my senior pastor said, I've known that for two years, thanks for catching up. I was like, could you just have told me, right? So that was 9.30 in the morning. At 2 p.m. that afternoon, I got an email from the chair of the senior pastor search committee at Bayview Glen Church. Said, hey, we have a senior pastorate open. I know it's in Canada, but we were wondering if you were interested. And I believe that God spoke to me in that circumstance. I knew I was coming to Bayview Glen from that very first email. Like we went, th we went through interviews in my mind, in my heart, like for you guys, <laughs> and for my wife. Like I knew it because I'd been praying about it for a year. I've been seeking the Lord and this, in this circumstance, God spoke to me. Number three, number three, another believer a lot of times, God speaks to me in and through another believer. Here's another example of God speaking to me through another believer. Back at Scottsdale Bible Church, I'm teaching this Bible study, this men's Bible study every Wednesday, and one of my favorite guys in that Bible study is in his early 80s, his name is Jack. And like, I don't know what it is, but like, there's like these ages in life where like, you know, the first thing that goes is your filter, you know, and you just start, start saying stuff like whatever comes to mind. And Jack was one of those guys. That's why I like Jack because I don't have much of a filter either. So we get along great. I'll see him when we're back in Phoenix next week. I'm excited to see Jack. So one time Jack asked me, early 80s, once again, pretty kind of kind of uh, gruff dude, grizzly dude at, at, at times. And Jack asked me, um, hey, uh, what's next for you? This is in the midst of praying about this. What's next for you? What's on the horizon for you? And I said, Jack, you know, here's what I think, man. I think, I think I'm just gonna keep leading worship. I think I'm gonna keep shepherding this venue. This is what God's called me to. This is what God's asked of me. And literally, Jack is, Jack is almost a foot taller than me, eight inches, yeah. So he, he looks down at me and shakes his head like this. He goes, what a waste. <laughs> you see what I mean about filter? 
It just goes away. I'm like, Jack, that's kind of rude. He goes, I don't care if it's rude. It's true. That's a waste. You need to be teaching and leading. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I walked away, and, and, and I just felt the Spirit of God say, what a waste. <laughs> See, God spoke through another believer. Was it contrary to his living message? Nope. Was it contrary to his living message or his written message? No. No. And God spoke to me through another believer. Number four. Number four. Lots of times God speaks to me in and through a conscious thought. So here, here's one that's really important for us to wrap our minds around today. Because it's, it's interesting to me that you'll have people, Christians, you'll, you'll have them tell you, um, hey, God led me, the Spirit spoke to me, the Spirit was, was guiding me, the Spirit was alive in me, the Spirit was moving in me, and then you ask them, you ask them, hey, um, does God still speak to his children today? Does God still speak to believers today? And they go, no, absolutely not. God has spoken through his written message, he's spoken through his living message, and he's done speaking. And so what do you mean when you say God leads me, God guides me? What does that even mean? If God's not speaking to you, what does that even mean? And now they're in a pickle, right? It's like, well, uh, mm, uh, I don't know. So this is why we need to put concrete language to this stuff. So when God speaks to me, he speaks to me through a number of things. It's through a, an inclination, an urge, a circumstance, another believer, and sometimes it's a conscious thought. And here's the best way that for me to explain that to you. You guys know like when you're on the beach and you see the plane like flying over the water and it's dragging that ad behind it? You know what I'm talking about? It's dragging the, 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 the banner behind it that says, you know, buy ice cream or, or come to this restaurant or whatever it is, right? It, it's almost as if that plane is flying right behind my eyelids. And I can see this message from God saying, here is my word for you today. Here is my message for you today. And again, it's never in contrast with his living message or his written message. I'll tell you about one example. I was out for a run. Uh, it's a time where I can get alone and get by myself and, and be quiet before the Lord. And I was just, just kind of tuning into God and, and praying and thinking and asking, God, would you speak to me? And I began to tell God about a situation that was coming up in my life. And here's what I kind of said to God. Okay, God, here's the deal. I would love to honor you, but when this situation comes up, I'm not going to. Like, I don't have it in me. I'm facing this circumstance, and, and I want to do right by you. I want to make much of Jesus. I'd like to make a good choice here, but I don't have it in me. And, I, and, and, it, and like I said, it was literally like a ticker tape, just an ad, went, went right behind my eyelids, and I could hear the voice of God say, I will prevent that situation from happening until you're ready to face it. Because your desire is to honor me. And, and this conscious thought crossed my mind. God said, I will prevent that situation from happening. I will prevent you from walking into that circumstance until you're ready to face it. So if God tends to speak 
through an inclination or an urge, if he speaks through circumstances, if he speaks through other believers, if he speaks through conscious thoughts that cross our mind, here's my question. How do I position myself to hear God's voice? And this is our last question we'll deal with. How do I position myself to hear God's voice? Well, take a lesson from Jesus. Take a lesson from Jesus. He's got great ideas as to how to position ourselves to hear the voice of God, if he's God's living message. If you've got your Bibles, this is the one I really want you to turn to. Turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke is the third book of the New Testament. The New Testament's the second half, or about third of your Bible. Luke wrote a biography about Jesus. And he makes this one statement kind of in the midst of a really busy season, a busy ministry season that Jesus is in. And he makes this one statement that is very, very interesting to me and instructive on how we can position ourselves to hear the voice of God. Here's the statement. It's up here on the screen. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's the New International Version. I typically preach from the English Standard Version, that translation of the Bible. But I like the language that the New International Version uses because I think it reflects the original Greek the most. And there are four things that Jesus is doing here in this one verse. Four things that teach us how to position ourselves to hear the voice of God. The first thing is consistency. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was Jesus' custom. This was a regular thing for him. He was in ongoing conversation with God. Jesus often withdrew. It was part of his habit. For those of you who are longing to hear the voice of God, Here's my question. How do you expect to hear his voice? How do you expect to have a living, ongoing relationship with him where he's shepherding you, leading you, speaking to you if you're not consistently spending time with him? If you're not going to him often, if it's not part of your habit or part of your custom? Could you imagine how my marriage would go if I did this to Amy? If, if, I like, if I said, you know, this is what we do to God sometimes. God, I got 75 minutes for you on Sunday morning. I'm all ears. 75 minutes. Could you imagine? How would that go in my marriage? Babe, I love you. I want to hear from you. 75 minutes once a week. That's what you get. Amy would go, what a waste. <laughs> Jesus often withdrew it was part of his it was part of his custom it was part of his habit second jesus often withdrew jesus often withdrew he got alone he got alone he he got in solitude he got by himself look Church is great. Fellowship is great. God can speak through other believers. We just covered that. But God asks us to get alone with him, to withdraw from friends, from family, from work, and the busyness of life and focus just on him to get alone. Jesus did it. Let's take a cue from him to position ourselves to hear the voice of God. Number three, 
Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. That word lonely places in the original language is the same word for desert or wilderness. Jesus got alone in quiet. He got alone in desolate places. He got alone consistently and he was quiet. Number four, Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and pray. He would often withdraw to lonely places and pray. He would come to God with his requests. He would bring his requests before the Father and say, Oh God, here are my requests for my day, for my week, for my month. Here's what's on my heart. I just want to tell you about it. And, and you know, because Jesus went to quiet places, you know, sometimes you, that kid in your life, or like maybe this is your kid, that like, you know, they're, like they're, they're incessant asking and they won't even let you respond, you know? Mom, I want ginger ale. 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 It's like, I can't even respond to you. This is what Jesus is doing when he, when he comes to God in prayer and in quiet. He says, Father, here is my request. And then he's quiet. And he allows God to speak or respond in any number of ways. And you might be thinking, Luke, you know, this, this, sounds, this sounds all well and good, right? Consistent, solitude, quiet prayer. That sounds great. But I'm very, very busy. Like I got kids, I got a job, I got school, I got a lot going on. And yet this was part of Jesus' custom. God in the flesh would get alone in quiet places and pray, and he did so on a regular basis. So are you suggesting that you're more busy than God himself? Is that what we're suggesting this morning? I'm, I'm too busy? Like even Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, his living message, got before the, got before the Father in quiet and solitude. Here's a couple of practical suggestions and then we'll be done. For those of you who are looking to hear the voice of God, for those of you who are listening for the voice of God, for those of you who want to hear from God, get quiet, get alone, and pray, and do so regularly. You can do it on your commute. Turn off the radio in your car. If you're on TTC, right, if you're on public transit, put headphones on, close your eyes. Whatever it is, get alone. You can do it when you exercise. That's for me. That's when, that's when I kind of go before the Lord and, and listen for him. When I'm out running or when I'm in the gym, I, I just kind of get alone in my head. I get quiet in my head and I just listen to God. Is there a specific place in your house? Like a, like a prayer closet. I was talking to a friend uh, this, this last week and, and she said, I have a big walk-in closet and I just go in there and I shut the door and I get quiet before God. What about first thing in the morning, early in the morning, or, or right before you go to bed at night? Some of you just conk out right away. It's like, I was, you know, I was listening for the voice of God, and he told me go to sleep. You know? That's, that doesn't always work, but first thing in the morning and late at night, like th those, are, those are moments that you can just steal away just for five minutes. And, and, and here's the reality. This is why we call these things spiritual disciplines, because it's a matter of discipline. Getting up early before your kids get up. How many of you have kids that wake up at like the crack of dawn? Absolute, you know, it's like good. Like I, if I want to get alone with God, I have to get up at 2.30 in the morning. I, you know, I, I get that. I got one. I got a kid. 
I understand. But, but it's a matter of discipline. It's a matter of discipline. It's a matter of choosing. I'm going to get up and get before the Lord and listen to his voice. I got, I got one, question to, one question to close with as we talk about hearing the voice of God. Because for some of us, we have this longing, right? We have this longing to hear from God, this longing to hear from him in an ongoing relationship, this longing for his voice to speak to us. And he can and he does when we get alone, when we get quiet, when we pray, when we open our minds up and open our hearts and spirits up to hear his voice. But, but here's, here's what I think a lot of us think sometimes, and this is what I think. What if people think I'm absolutely nuts? What if people think I have gone absolutely crazy when I tell them, I feel like God has told me, or I sense that God has led me, or I was quiet in prayer before him and he just brought this to mind and I think I'm supposed to pray for you, or I think I'm supposed to share the gospel with this friend, or I think I'm supposed to step out in faith and, and, and be a missionary in another country and I sense in my soul and my spirit there's this urge and God has spoken through other believers and, and I just feel like this is God leading me and guiding me and it squares with his written word and it squares with his living word people are going to say, you're absolutely nuts. You're crazy. So in response to that fear, and here's what I tell myself when I have that same fear, here's what I tell myself. Would I rather listen to the voice of God or the voice of man? Would I rather do the will of God or rather do the will of man? Do I fear God or do I fear man? Jesus invites us into an ongoing relationship by which he shepherds those he loves. And when we get quiet before him and alone before him and pray, he can indeed speak to those he loves. Let's pray together because we got one more thing we got to do this morning and it's really, really exciting. Let's pray together. God, it is our desire to hear from you. It is our desire that you would speak to us. God, that we would know your voice as your sheep. We would know the shepherd's voice. God, we pray that we would not be men and women who are looking for you to kind of do a trick or even come to you for specific answers on things, but God, in our heart of hearts, we would come to you just for more of you. For just a greater sense of your presence and greater sense of the joy that you extend to us. God, as we make this a habit, as we make this a custom, as we uh, choose, God, to withdraw often to quiet places to pray, would you allow us to hear your voice ring true and clear above all other voices? In Christ's name, amen.